Hello, welcome to Process. My name's Stephen Walsh. This week, we're talking to Hannah Berry. Hi, Hannah. Hello. <laughs> so, Hannah, just to get started, getting into comics, what were the first sort of comics you read? Did you read comics as a, as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to love Calvin and Hobbes. I'm not sure if they were collected all together when I was a kid. I think my granddad brought over the books from the States, or from Ecuador, maybe he bought, because he, he was from Ecuador, I think he, he brought them, he ordered them from the States and brought them over. So I had these, uh, these collected Calvin and Hobbes strips, which were the first, I think it was my first access into comics, and they were brilliant. And I was, I, I really got into them. I love the characters so much, and I was so jealous of, of Calvin, because I think I, maybe I was about eight at the time, and um, he was six, and his vocabulary was much stronger than mine. And I, I didn't, I didn't, obviously I knew he was a cartoon character, but didn't quite twig that, you know, I didn't have to be that level. <laughs> you didn't realise that the words were being given to him by four-year-old Yeah, man. no, no, that didn't really, uh, I was still jealous. <laughs> I don't know, I have a four-year-old man giving me words. Hold on, that sounds <laughs> Wait, terrible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I'm guessing, because this seems to be a pattern with a lot of people, that then you stopped reading comics and then came back to them later. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. There's always this, this mysterious gap that people have. Yeah, it's like a wilderness tumbleweed that we're <laughs> drifting across. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd read all the Calvin and Hobbes's and I had a few Tintins and I had some, some Asterix books. And I'm sort of reached an age where I wanted to read something for older readers and I think I stumbled across a spawn and was, you know, the colours were nice. <laughs> <laughs> I did collect them, I had a few books and, and didn't really get into them. I like I, I liked the format, just couldn't really, it was so, oh, so melodramatic, it's yeah. not necessary. So I, I felt like there was a bit of a wilderness in the middle, yeah, where I was um, reading that stuff. That's quite a leap though. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> up to that point, when you go Calvin Hobbes, Asterix, Tintin, everyone's nodding, and then you go, and then Spawn. <laughs> I, don't, like, <laughs> I don't know how I got into it. I must have been, um, I think, actually, I think I was working in a shop, and they had some uh, MVC, if you remember that. I do. And they, yeah, good good times. Um, and they uh, they had a, they used to have a book section, book selection, and they used to have a comic selection, which was just Spawn, so I think it must have just been that. <laughs> good times. That's a very specific... <laughs> ordering section of that shop. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> no, clearly not. Comics, that'll do. <laughs> We've got uh, Spawn. 17 volumes, but just Spawn. <laughs> yeah. We've got all of them, Yeah, just Spawn. For the completionists. <laughs> <laughs> and then in terms of your more recent reading, what would be the thing that sort of brought you into comics in the way that made you want to make comics? Oh, that, that would be... Unless yeah. it was Spawn. Was it Spawn? <laughs> oh, oh, I love a bit of Spawn. <laughs> um, no, I think it, was, it must have been when my mum went to Brussels she came back with uh, with a bunch of uh, bon dessine and said, "Look, Hannah, look at these comics. They're uh, they're they're nice, aren't they?" And I said, uh, "Yes, they are." And then um, that was that was my, my love for comics was rekindled, and uh, we got straight back into it. Uh, and what sort of stuff was in that bundle? So there was I'm trying to think because there was a bundle. There was uh, "Lay on the Cam" by anybody French listeners, please excuse my terrible accent by uh, Nicolas de Cressy and uh, Sylvain Chaumet, and there was uh, the Professor's Daughter by Schwann's Far, isn't Spire, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, from what you've said so far, that gives a lot of clues as to the style and content of your work. Yeah. Even Spawn, in a funny <laughs> sort of way. Well, yeah, I mean, it was very, very illustration-heavy. The more conventional route that people had got into comics through at that point was, it seemed to be autobiography comics or mm. general fiction comics... But your first two books were very much genre pieces. It was a, yeah. a crime book and a horror book, essentially. Yeah, that's... Uh, Which yeah, is quite unusual. I mean... I mean is it genre? <laughs> <laughs> but because that's the thing. Genre is, has almost been the spine of the comics industry for so long. Yeah. That then the alternative became 
the, more yeah, conventional way to get in. But it's almost like you returned to the conventional. Yeah, well, I'm going to write about my life that would be interesting to read. <laughs> so I had to skip that part. <laughs> um, nobody wants to hear about growing up outside of Bathingstoke. That's, that's fun for nobody. <laughs> but they both seem to have, particularly Britain and Brew Lightly, a very strong Franco-Belgian European sensibility. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> in terms of the, the tone of the story and the, and, the, and the look of the book. Yeah, so was that, yeah. that was a deliberate thing, was it? Well, I, of... I think it was, it was just what I wanted to what I wanted to do, what I thought was was comics at the time, and what I would want to read from comics anyway. So uh, it just it just kind of came about completely organically. It wasn't um, I wasn't I wasn't trying to write any particular genre. I just quite like quite like detective stories. I quite like a bit of noir every now and then, you know, over <laughs> over an evening. <laughs> Do you want to just tell people the concept of Britain and Brew Life? Oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. that, that, that's also uh, quite fresh as well, isn't it? It's uh, it's a detective story. It's following a detective who's investigating what what appears to be a suicide of a man, but his fiance believes it's murder, so he's looking at that. And he um, his partner is is a teabag, of course. Because why why wouldn't you? <laughs> Given the choice. See, that was the bit where I was saying it's very it's not like anything else is out there. I just I just like to. <laughs> Drop that in there. Drop it in and move on. Like a fart in an elevator. <laughs> so as I say, it's, you know, in terms of being a detective story quite conventional and you can sort of see the influences in terms of the, the, the visuals, I think, yeah. uh, remind me a lot of things like Black Sads and as you say, Slides oh, work as well. <laughs> but then uh, this whole fresh element as well that uh, you brought into it. I'm not sure I could explain why that happened. I think I, I just, I, I like... I like things that have a little bit of a surprising element to them, and what what could be more surprising than a talking team? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I started the comic, anyway, it was I was I, I started writing it when I was at university. I just started out as a university project, and um, I thought it would be. I mean, I wasn't expecting anybody to to read it. I was just writing for my own personal amusement, and um, that I happened to have a, a character who was a tea bag, which I'd written um, for a short comic, which I'd written whilst I was in in college a few years before just just to amuse a friend of mine so um it was just a, it was a talking tea bag actually the talking tea bag in the one in college uh, it had a hat and a tie and it, it walked around and i think it had a gun i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure how it would uh, holster and in the in the the, the comic for, for college it was hinted that there was uh, some kind of um uh, loving relationship between like a physical relationship between the tea bag and, and his partner um who was, a, who was a human i don't know how that i didn't explore that aspect of that's best left Behind, I think. There's not a stack of sketches somewhere where you're like, this is <laughs> no. a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> this is horrific in all the wrong ways. <laughs> if anybody wants to do any fan fiction out there and send it in, then feel free. <laughs> and then for Adam Time, again, you know, easy to think of it purely as a horror piece, but it's very mm. atmospheric, isn't it? It's a very psychological piece. It was the kind of horror that I like to, to watch and to read, it's the kind of horror that I enjoy. And it's it slightly struck me that there's not there's not enough of that that kind of creeping suggestive horror in comics because comics are such a visual medium that that things often tend to be you know laid out for all to see so there will be some some really uh, visceral gore or there'll be some some body horror in there and there's not enough of the kind of suggestion that i like i mean there are there are books but uh, not 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 as much as i like so i thought i that's what i do my own really and also a <laughs> fantastic fast. use of the form as well where you have it's spoilers for people. It's more <laughs> yeah. Easter eggs. Listen, listen away now. Shadows within shadows that sort of have patterns within. So there's yeah. the, 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 there is almost an element of the art sneaking up in you, even though it's on a flat page and shouldn't yeah. be able to. Yeah, so. it's the, the closest thing I think I can come off a shock to something leaping out in, in, a, in a, a flat two-dimensional still image. Which yeah, it was it was it was really fun to explore. It's, I'm surprised that more people haven't done that. Maybe more people have done it. I'm just not observant enough to <laughs> spot it. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I like the idea of, of not finding something... Also, not finding something necessarily scary because it's scary, but finding something scary because of the because of what it suggests, what it entails. You know, the, the meaning behind this object is far scarier than the actual thing itself, if you see what I mean. I do, and I think... And this is going to sound odd, but I think your earlier reading experience with Spawn mm. possibly gave you a handbook in terms of what not to do in terms of horror. <laughs> just yeah. because Spawn do all yeah. the things that you'd imagine horror <laughs> would do, where it's very grotesque things and over the top things. Yeah, and some bloody... flesh being ripped apart yeah. and teeth falling out. Yeah, that kind so of thing. So you'd seen all that and gone, okay, I've seen everything you can do yeah, with very blatant yeah. images. What, ca- what, yeah, what can't you do or what hasn't been done so far? Yeah, absolutely. And um, slightly inspired by. Um, or very inspired, in fact, by, by a lot of film. And also, did, did, did you ever watch that, that BBC film that was on in, in the 90s, uh, Ghostwatch? Oh yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did see it when I was when I was a kid because I would have I would have probably wet the bed for years afterwards. It was the one that was presented almost as a sort of yeah, documentary. Yeah, thing. So it was, yeah, And then it, was it started to all go, to go wrong and really yeah. wrong. And people writing to the BBC complaining, saying why or why or why did he make us watch this? Was uh, it post Blair Witch? Because it's similar it sort was, of mechanic, isn't it? Where it's sort of it like was way this, before then. Oh really? Oh, well, no, oh I, I think you're right. Actually, I think it was like ninety two, ninety three. When was Blair Witch? Like ninety. It does feel like it was much earlier than Blair Witch Man. Yeah, I I I thought it was fantastic, and the the, uh, I quite like the way that there's there's a there's a character in it who who pops up discreetly throughout the the kind of the the main antagonist who I don't know if you remember he sort of pops up in yeah yeah. Uh, in the throughout the episode, but very very discreetly. I mean, you wouldn't know necessarily know that he was there unless you just happened to be looking at that particular part of the screen at that particular moment. Going back and knowing that they're there is just it adds a, a little extra. It's like it's like there's a character in it which is looking back at you, which you're not aware of initially, which is something that I wanted to um, play around with. Yeah, a subconscious element rather mm. than yeah, something something between jumps. yeah, exactly yeah, <laughs> something that's, that's in a layer between you and you as the observer and the actual thing that you're watching is sort of in the, this kind of middle ground looking back. And it is a thing, particularly in your book, where once you see these things and notice these things, you can't unsee them. And yeah, then suddenly you're true, tuned yeah. in in a very different way. Somebody did point out that it's a little bit like a scary Where's Wally. Hopefully not someone in the marketing development of publisher. <laughs> this is how we're, this is the poster. <laughs> this is not the poster. <laughs> I was talking as well about some of your activities around your work because Ooh. I think one of the things that's been very interesting about your life in comics is the fact that you've you've had the opportunity to do certain things like your book trust residency. Yeah, I mean things that that I would never really have of of chased down myself. I would never have thought to ask for these kinds of things. I've just sort of landed on my lap almost at times, which is um is really exciting. Terrifying. Really fucking terrifying. <laughs> but great nonetheless. <laughs> and it does seem like with that role in particular, you were given almost a position of advocacy where you're yeah, working on behalf power. of comics. <laughs> I know. I mean, we've I'm just had an ambassador. Well, we've just had a comics laureate um, appointed. That's true, yeah. But it they does feel like you were there a, a little bit earlier. <laughs> well, I think I taught him all I know. <laughs> <laughs> because with the book trust, obviously, it's talking to readers and talking to writers and talking to people within books. Yeah. But about a form of literature they don't really consider a form of literature. Absolutely, so it's a, a very yeah. important position, I think, for you. Yeah, and I was, I was really... Um, I was really overjoyed by some of the, fee- the feedback that I was getting the people that, that were approaching and saying well I hadn't really considered comics before but but uh, now now I have and they're actually it's surprising that mo- most of the people that, that I heard from seem to be women over the age of about 40 
which is I, is that I mean is that is that a new a new fast growing demographic as far as your well no I think I, I would say for something like the book trust that would be a strong demographic but yeah, then within yeah. within that they wouldn't be exposed to comics yeah. so suddenly having this area being represented by yourself and you sort of making a point of and I, I thought the, the way you went about it was brilliant in terms of oh, sort of accepting that people can't read comics that's a huge yeah. thing the lack of, of comics literacy is a huge barrier that people yeah. don't even consider a lot of the it's time. true it's true I mean I've, I've, um, I've got family members and friends who have, who have been obliged to read my books because because I wrote them and they've, they've admitted to me afterwards that I'm, I'm sorry I, I didn't know how to do it I've, I looked at the pictures and I read the well I, I think my, one friend said he read through the uh, all the text and then went back and looked at all the pictures as two separate yeah. things. Yeah, so, but for us as, as comic readers, you sort it's, of go, it's quite surprising. You just read it as a, but yeah, it's hard, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, you know. Well, you, you remember when you're a kid and you have to, you have to, when you're reading a page of text and it's quite daunting, you sort of remember using like a, a fingernail to just sort of keep an eye on yeah, which way you're looking at. Yeah. yeah. You always need some kind of a viewfinder of <laughs> comics that you can, uh, you can look through the. Track it along. Track it along, track <laughs> the page along, yeah. <laughs> Did you find it useful to you creatively in the sense that I think there's probably a duty for you to be incredibly informed about comics. So it forced you to read more, to think more about comics? Yeah, well, it, it was. It certainly made me think about them more in terms of... Well, in terms of a general reader, rather than just what I want to read, but what, what is available to people out there, what, what people would like to read, what what is, I suppose, approachable in a way. Because, I mean, I've, I've tried to... I think before before doing the book trusting, I tried to foist Chris Ware on a couple of, of people who just had no idea at all. And it didn't I didn't, it didn't. it even occur to me that it, would, it was, you know, it was different... Well, there are easier, easier routes into comics than... Uh... When people say, I've only read one comic, and then they say either Watchmen or Jimmy Corrigan <laughs> yeah. and Smart Boy and World, I'm like, well, that's no good. I always say to people, it's like sort of someone going, I don't read novels, but I'm going to give Ulysses a try. And then if I enjoy that, <laughs> yeah. and they come back and go, oh, I didn't like it, it was impenetrable, and you're like, yeah, it's not the one to start with. <laughs> it's you, you've started like four Baby levels steps. ahead of where you should be. Yeah. Start with Calvin Hobbes, because yeah, it's the, the, the fundamentals all, all the way along, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I think the thing is that because people don't, people don't see comics as being, they see them as being for children, so you think, well, I want to read something which is advanced, so obviously I'm going to jump, jump straight into Watchmen or Jimmy Corrigan. Because I because I have the, the abilities as a, as a keen reader. Oh my god, what the fuck am I doing? I can't understand this at all. I must be some kind of moron. And I think that I think that happens all the time. Also, as if the sequence in Calvin and Hobbes with the bird isn't one of the most touching sequences in all oh of literature. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> all I of cried. literature. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! Oh, that hug to... at the end. I mean, it's oh, ridiculous. To bring that. No, exactly. <laughs> We're both on the verge of tears now. Just yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> oh, Bill Watterson. Similarly, as well, you work with the Arvin Foundation in terms of teaching yeah, comics. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, that was that was again that was something that I wasn't I wasn't I hadn't anticipated doing. I hadn't looked to, to teach comics in any way at all. And it was I'd gotten to know Brian Talbot through just doing events and things, being on panel discussions. And he was one of the teachers on the Arvin Foundation's graphic novel writing course. And he said they're looking for another one. Are you interested? And um, because I was so keen to be involved with anything to do with comics, I said yes. But I've never taught before. I, actually, also there, there was there was money involved, so um, I, I just <laughs> needed to pay my bills. <laughs> and then I, so I agreed to it and signed the contract. And then worried afterwards that, that I don't have to teach anything. I've got no idea at all. But that's that is actually the, one of the most probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done is is teaching all these courses because the people that go are so enthusiastic or. So so keen to be involved in, if not in comics, in in creating something. And there's this there's this amazing atmosphere there there of uh, of other of people sort of shooting ideas around. And it's really hard to leave it and not 
be enthused about your own work. So it was inspirational for you in yeah, terms very, of... Yeah, very much so, yeah. I love talking to people about their own projects. I really enjoy that. And again, was it useful to you as a creator to have that, that impetus to look at the mechanics of comics and think about the work? Yeah, of because people are approaching things in, in so many different ways, in ways that I hadn't even conceived and ways that I would never have conceived. And, and, um, and it, it sort of, it has made me, it's made, it's changed the way I work as well. It's changed the way I approach certain uh, problems. Instead of just bashing my head against a brick wall, I can bash my head against a different part of the brick wall, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I can bash my foot against a brick wall. <laughs> It was really educational. I've really, I've, I've really enjoyed those, those 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 classes, those courses. Also, I'm doing one next year with Simon Mayer. I don't know. If, uh, oh, okay. It's not quite the graphic novel writing one. It's word and image, which well, text that. and image. Well, we, <laughs> Simon and I have got. We've decided that that's comics. Yes. To us. So, uh, so there's a comics course uh, next October in Denver, I think it is. And it's residential, isn't it? It's residential. Yeah, it's a week long, and there's only 16 spaces, so uh, book fast. Good times. Has uh, Simone worked on any of the courses before? She's been a guest before. I don't think she's been a because they have uh, there's two tutors that, that run the week and then there's like a midweek guest who who pops up and talks about their work. I think she's been a guest. I'm not sure if she's done the course for the week. Oh god, that means I'm the expert. <laughs> oh, god. Actually, no. You might not want to come. <laughs> I, I take it all back. <laughs> And you're working on your new book at the moment. Yeah, how's oh, that going? God, that's so much fun. I'm, but it, I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, it's a story about about a pop star whose uh, her life is is sort of constructed in 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 the media. It's sort of it, it's like a it's like a political satire as well as a social satire, or a socio political satire, if you will. Her life is being is being directed in certain ways so that oh, her private life is being directed in certain ways so that it, it drowns out political scandals which are which are happening. There's a there's a hideous character somewhere between if you can imagine something between Alistair Campbell and Simon Cowell, who's, who's, <laughs> who's directing everything. Um, I'm really enjoying writing it. Also because I, I I just hate popular culture, so it's nice <laughs> to just stick that knife in there. You've basically come up with an explanation of popular culture as a trap and poison designed by. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a, an extreme version of how it is now, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, taking to taking to the uh, to its uh, logical conclusion. And visually, your last two books, obviously, the noir elements of Britain and Brew Lightly and the, the horrific elements of Adentine, the, the, the deep dark shadows. This one's got colour. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's got if it's bright, a pop bright star, I'm thinking yeah. Dazzler, and I'm thinking you know. <laughs> I've got a whole set of acrylic inks, and I, I only ever use about, but I usually use two, and maybe I'll use sort of another two on and off. But um, I've, I've dusted off acrylic inks bottles that I've just never used for this one. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of your actual methods and techniques, have they changed in terms of the style of it? I think I'm better at drawing. I can I really. Um, I mean, every single every book that every single book every single one of the two books I've done. <laughs> every, but all the book, all the work that I've done, I've always got to the end of the, of the project and looked back and thought that's a bit shit. And I've looked at the first few pages and had to redo them. Writing writing wise, I don't know, but definitely the artwork. I think I've. I think I've improved. And is that just purely with practice and I doing more is. work yeah. as opposed to changing your methods? Is it a case of you, you pencil and then ink and... Yeah, well I think actually I might be slightly looser as a result of hanging around with more comics people and seeing the way that they work and, and being quite jealous of their speed. And I've, I have become, uh, in this book at least, slightly, slightly looser. I mean I'm still, still pretty... Pretty fucking anal about every single story, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think I've, maybe I've changed slightly. What's the book called? 
Oh, it's called Livestock. It should be out in 2016. I'm hoping to finish it early 2016. Similar to your work with the Book Trust and the Arvin Foundation, you've done a lot of appearances on panels and at conventions and shows. Yeah, yeah. Has that sort of helped and opened up your, your work as well, do you think, talking to other creators and talking about comics? Yeah, it's nice to... I think it's made me feel less, a lot less alone. I mean, probably if you looked at my work as a, as a body of work, you probably would realise that reading Britain and Blue Lightly, I was a bit depressed and a bit lonely and I've really um, I've met so many just lovely lovely people really nice people I've got such I've put down roots in comics now and I feel like I've um, I don't know if it's changed the way that I work so much but it's definitely changed the way that I the way that I appraise the work I mean I, I'm so much happy to, to I've got people I can show work to and, and ask their opinion and um, and that's uh, that's certainly changed everything I think and that's that's really only happened the last couple of years I don't think I think even when I started Aventine I think I was still quite uh, isolated um, is there anyone in particular whose work you're enjoying at the moment I love loads of people's work I, I really well I, I need to buy Stephen Collins's book of the the collected book of what are they called is it just some comics some from, comics yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a gift to retailers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you got some comics do you mean why yes because <laughs> <laughs> um, I really I, I really love this stuff with Geek Castle a bit I might say I'm looking forward to Carrie Fransman's new book, but I have already read it. I enjoyed it very much. Oh, lucky. So, uh, yeah, a little, little sneaky behind-the-scenes uh, sneaky peek. Where can people see more about your work? Have you got a, a website you'd like I've, to push? I've got a, yeah, I've got a website now, which is a bit... I, do, I think people need to be a bit kinder when they look at my website, because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a technophobe. I'm not very good <laughs> at it. It's uh, hannahberry.co.uk. You'll find all manner of delights on there. Occasionally, very, very... It's a blog that I very, very occasionally update. I mean, really rarely. But, um, you know, if you haven't looked at it before, then there's all kinds of stuff you can read through until I, you know, I'll keep that tidy up until I put something new on. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on, I'm on Twitter now. I'm Streak of Pith. Yeah, well, I just, I just use it to, to read angry articles and get angry about them now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the internet's for. <laughs> it is, yeah. A little tiny echo chamber of rage. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Anna. Oh, thank you for having me. Process is part of the Hold Fast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you might enjoy.